such a time as this I was born into the kingdom For such a time as this I was born into the kingdom For such a time as this For such a time, for such a time as this representative did you so that music is from Lanny Swain Lanny uh, came to Albany Oregon a few years ago two years ago in January and uh, he's in ministry and he's from um, let's see South Carolina one of the Carolinas sorry Lanny forgot which Carolina it is but anyway so he graciously let me use his music because on my business cards and in my brochure it says for Oregon for America for such a time as this so I am here live on KRBN Radio, so I'm not only live on Facebook, we are live on the Internet, and I would like to get some questions from some folks. So please, you can call in. The number is 646-721-9887. 646-721-9887. Please follow the prompt, and uh, you'll pop up in the queue. Robin will answer it. You'll pop up into the queue, and then you can ask the question. And so I will check here with my – are you the producer or the host today? Uh, Both. Producer co-hosting. She'll ask me some questions. Yeah, I'll I'll grill her to death. Not to death. I have a campaign to win. Oh, okay. But i got to be careful because I'm within three feet of her, and she can throw stuff at me. So – um. This little thing, and it's backwards to you guys, says the dream is real. It has coffee. Look what happens. It has coffee in it. <laughs> it's heavy. It's, Speaking of that, do you yeah. know that this is an, this could be an assault weapon? Really? Yes. So if somebody, not I, were to do something nefarious to my good friend Robin, this would become an assault weapon. Would they then want to ban our little travel drinking containers? I'm just wondering. You never know. Anyways, give us a call at 646-721-9887. We're broadcasting live here on KRBN Internet News Talk Radio. We're simulcasting on Joe Ray's Facebook and on the KRBN Facebook page as well. So you have no excuse not to give us a call, ask her a question. Uh, just about anything's fair game. And this is your opportunity, Joe Ray. Yeah, you guys can ask away. Ballots uh, were uh, put in the mail for the first round of ballots for the Oregon primary were put in the mail yesterday, which means people start getting them today. As a candidate, I don't like vote by mail. We literally lose uh, two weeks of campaign time because people can uh, drop their ballots off and I'm out knocking on doors. And oh, oh, gee, I voted. If I would have known, I would have voted for you. Well, just vote for me. Then you don't have to worry about it. And that makes life easier. See, look at Dale got his today already. That means I probably have mine today, Dale. And um, so, uh, yeah, I ask people to 
make sure that they're ready to vote. Don't vote too early. I remember several years ago, I don't remember exactly what it was, but I remember there was some incident that happened with a candidate, and there were a lot of people that had sent in their ballots, and it was like this gigantic gasp that had happened, and people were going, if I had known, I would not have voted for that person, and uh, it was too late. They, they didn't know, and they had already voted. So speaking of candidates, so for those of you that are not aware, uh, Bruce Cuff, good friend of mine, uh, pulled out of the race officially yesterday. He is on your ballots because, of course, the ballots are already printed. He had to pull out to not be on the ballot by March the 8th. Kind of give you guys a timeline. Filing deadline for this primary was March the 6th. March the 8th used the deadline to withdraw from the race. So kind of hard. But anyway, uh, Bruce has decided to uh, uh, endorse Greg Waldridge and is going to be working on behalf of Greg and helping him win the nomination. And I know we have a lot of Sam Carpenter fans. And, and, and then we've got some Newt Bueller fans. So all I ask is that whoever it is that you vote for, that you vote your values. And that's, that's what's, to me, as a candidate and as, and as a citizen, that's what's most important is I like to see people vote their values and uh, pick the candidate that, most, uh, that you feel most closely aligns with who you are and, uh, and what you want to see happen, um, whether it's um, a city uh, election or all the way up to president. Of course, we've got two more years where we get to vote for President Trump again. And then I'll have another four years, which will be exciting. Perkins is my choice for a U.S. representative in the 4th Congressional District. Some of the things that I've been hearing out there and some of the things I want to share with you guys. Um, people want to know the bills that, um, that I plan on sponsoring or co-sponsoring when I get to Washington, D.C. And I will, uh, the, the very first bill is going to be, if it is not done by the time I get there, it will be to overturn Doe versus Bolton. Doe v. Bolton is the Supreme Court decision that came out of the state of Georgia, was taken to the Supreme Court, was just decided shortly after Roe v. Wade. And what that bill did, or excuse me, what that, that Supreme Court decision did is allowed late-term abortions, which I think is absolutely heinous. Now, it was ostensibly to save the life of the mother. So that means after the first trimester, they could do abortions. Well, up until about a year ago, a little over a year ago, there were six states that allowed late-term abortions. There is now one state that allows not just late-term abortions, allows full-term abortions up until the moment that baby is born. And that is the state of Oregon, the state that I live in, the state that most of my friends live in. There are two countries from the information that I've been able to glean that also allow such a heinous act, China and North Korea. So friends, I will write that bill to totally outlaw late-term abortions. It is horrible. And I am 100% pro-life. But to think that it's okay to dismember the pre-born baby because the mother, the father, they don't like the gender or for some other ridiculous reason is totally unconscionable. If, if that pregnant woman were murdered and the baby, 
and the baby dies, um, that's two deaths that the murderer gets charged with. But the doctors are okay and get off scot-free. Oh, and by the way, in Oregon, you don't have to be a doctor to perform an abortion. That is the first bill that I will sponsor or or co-sponsor. Sorry, we're blipping in and out here. So, um, okay, if you if somebody wants to come on live and make a comment, you can type your comment here on my on Facebook on the Facebook Live. You can call in at six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven, and we'll put you live on the radio on the internet radio on Blog Talk Radio. Um, but if you want to say bring me on, I think that there's a button that you can hit, and uh, it'll alert me, and I'll bring you on live. Kevin did that the other day. What kind of questions you got, Robin? Like Robin always has questions. What? <laughs> What's the temperature? I don't know. I can't look. My phone. <laughs> it's warm. It's wonderful. Seventy something. Yes, all the way from Albany, just to talk about the weather. In Springfield. In it's Springfield. Such a, so, so different down here. Of course, it's allergy season. That's why I sound like uh, almost like Sam Elliott right now. <laughs> well, if you're going to sound like somebody, you might as well be good looking, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, just remember, beef is what's for dinner. That's it. <laughs> okay, we digress. Sorry. We digress. But again, I'd like to encourage people, you know, 646-721-9887. And Joe Ray, you're going to be on the show uh, at least for the next couple of weeks, right? Yes, I will. We're going to get on as often as I can possibly get on. Some of it may be while I'm out driving, which we did uh, a few years ago. That's right. I would be driving out campaigning, and it was time to call in. And so on the phone I went and and called in and answered questions. And I know that somebody out there, oh, we just went to sleep on our computers here. There we go. I know, hello, kitty. I know somebody out there has got a question that is burning for them. Yes. And if you happen to miss the live program, in addition to being uh, broadcast on Joe Ray's Facebook page, we're also simulcasting right now on the KRBN Facebook page. And I don't know if you know this, Joe Ray, we also have a telephone app. So if you go to player.fm and search for KRBN, you can also listen to all the past shows there. Also on iTunes, same thing. Go to iTunes and search for KRBN. So... We go back to, to when this station started in 2009. So any, any show you want to listen to, you can always contact Joe Ray. Uh, she'll give her, your, her information in just a few minutes. Uh, you can email us directly at talk at krbnradio.net. And Joe, Joe Ray, what are your contacts? So my contacts are we have a new web address, just to make life easier, perkins4usrep.com. So you can go on to uh, that and just go so then your browser, perkinsforusrep.com. Um, that is the website. Facebook is Perkins, the number for Oregon. And, of course, my regular Joe Ray Perkins Facebook timeline. Um, you guys can text me, 541-979-5395. That's even in the voter guide. You can pick up the phone and call me. Um, I received a text message earlier today from a lovely lady. She was sad to find out that she couldn't vote for me because she's in the city of Grants Pass, and the city of Grants Pass is not in the 4th Congressional District. That is in Representative Walden's 2nd Congressional District. And so uh, she was ready to vote for me, and so she was heartbroken. I felt really bad for Miss Kathy, but mm-hmm. what a, she was just a sweet, sweet lady. I enjoyed talking with her. Um, so um, call me. I looked in the voter guide, and I am the only congressional candidate or the 4th District that put their personal cell phone number, the voter guide. And the phone rings. People do call me and ask questions. All right. And uh, 
so far this year, everybody said that they're voting for me. And so that's, that's always a wonderful thing. Awesome. That's yeah. uh, on your, on your Facebook, well, on your main page, and you've said this in other times when you've ran your oath. The oath. Yeah. The oath of office is, is so huge. Um, so I'm going to recite the one that I will be reciting in January of 2019. I, Joe Ray Perkins, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear the true faith and allegiance to the same. I inserted a word. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I take this obligation freely, freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I'm about to enter, so help me God. And that is the oath of office, and that, that's a pledge, it's a promise. And, and, I, and I'm so adamant about the importance of that oath because our elected officials for decades and decades have been violating their oath of office. They're not doing what the job of Congress is. They're, they're doing all these other things. They're violating the Tenth Amendment. These things not specifically enumerated are left to the state. So look at all these all these agencies, alphabet agencies that we have out there that don't belong in the federal government. They belong at the state level. I ask people, why do we need a U.S. Forest Service? Oregon's got a Forest Service, so why do we need a U.S. Forest Service? Which, by the way, was moved a few years ago underneath the Department of Agriculture. It's not underneath the Department of the Interior. It's kind of interesting. But if you think about it, timber is a renewable product they harvest it right and so um because it's a crop i guess it makes sense that it's under agriculture right? now, yeah that i guess that would make yeah, sense that, that would make sense anything about but that, that would thing. that would mean something in the federal government that made sense yeah but the question is why do we even have um the u.s forest service and uh outside of the 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 territories so Guam, the U.S. Virgin Islands, et cetera, it's okay for the federal government to have agencies in our territories because that is constitutional because that is not, those are not states, they're territories. Puerto Rico is a, is a territory. So um, I, was, I was talking the other day, I was on the, the um, uh, CTV, Channel 29 down here in the Eugene market with Comcast, uh-huh. the, the public access TV. And uh, it's, it was a real interesting conversation with Joe because I met with Joe two years ago and had the interview. He's changed. He's, uh, <laughs> he says he hasn't changed. He says the Democrat Party has changed and gone much farther left than he is. But we were talking about clear-cutting. And that was the one issue that he doesn't like is the clear-cutting. And so we, so we were having this conversation and uh, and so what I basically said is that I was pretty sure that, that the timber companies, after they logged and felled all those trees and cleared it off, by the way, they left the stumps to keep from the erosion happening, um, they replanted. Why would they replant? Because that's their crop. And they did. They replanted before the government required them to replant five for one. And I actually verified this the other day because I had not ever asked one of my friends that worked there or have worked in the timber industry. And so um, 
he said, well, you know, I just, you know, we just don't like that clear cutting. And, and I looked at him and I said, well, it's a renewable crop. And so for all the vegans out there, if you don't like clear cutting, then I'm sorry to say you've got a problem because what do you think the corn farmer does? That's true. Right? Yeah. He harvests that corn. It's clear cut. They cut down all those corn stalks. Then they plow it open and all you've got left over is a brown field. Right. Until they replant for the next year and it grows again. So the only difference between the corn farmer and the timber farmer is the length of time it takes for the crop to grow. Correct. Right? Right. They all clear cut. So for people that, that don't like the clear cutting of the trees, understand that they are replanting right away. Another thing that I found out is that the Forest Service actually now pays people, they have employees, to go out and pull up the seedlings because the Douglas fir is so prolific for for its own reseeding that there's too many trees growing. And so they have to go out there and pull up the seedlings that they are mandating be planted. Because I think the timber people knew what they were doing before the federal government told them what they had to do. I think you're right. So, Especially since it was private sector and they had to kind of make a living at it. Kind of, Yeah, kind of had to yeah. make a living at it and not let it burn up. And then talking talking with the people that are going out there hunting, um, the, the U.S. Forest Service is not keeping the underbrush cleared up. And people can't even go out there. The private private uh, timber companies like Weyerhaeuser are a little more likely to keep keep that um, more cleared. I, I know there are some problems out there. But then the hunters have to pay, I believe I was told, $350 to go hunting on private property. Hmm. And so then the question is, well, why aren't they hunting on the quote-unquote public property, right? right? It's because there's so much underbrush there. The wildlife... They need more open space. They need to be able to see where their enemies are. So they like some of the open meadows. They like some of the, the clearings in the woods. They don't like all that heavy underbrush. And so the, the deer and the, the elk, um, they're not big fans of all that brush that, that all the environmental people say is good. And then, of course, then a lightning strikes and it burns up. And Well, and the other reason for clear cutting, too, is that it gets rid of some of the old garbage that rots and creates mm-hmm. disease. And- yeah. And so, yeah, you're right. And, uh, but you know, that's the benefit of the fires that kills all those beetles that were in the, that's true. In, in the, in the trees. And, um, but I would rather us cut the timber before it gets disease infested. I am still looking for some questions. You can call in at six, four, six, seven, two, one, nine, eight, eight, seven, six, four, six, Seven two one nine eight eight seven. Correct. And when you do, the uh, you'll hear a little recording. I'll just ask you uh, to press one if you would like to speak with Joe Ray. I will answer the phone. Take your first name. Very simple. Or you can actually call in and just listen. And if you decide on that number, if you decide you do want to talk to Joe Ray, just again, just press one, and it'll come up on my board, and I'll say hi, and you'll be live on the air. Live, live and in person. And if you want to come on to my Facebook feed. You can push whatever the little button is there and uh, say, hey, I want to talk. I want to talk. I want to ask a question. Or you can also type it uh, just as Dale did. He said, Greg is my choice. And I got mine today, which was his ballot. Oh, there go the screens again. We've got to wake them up. Wake up over there, guys. We're not doing anything on the keyboard. So um, I'm just scrolling through here to see who all 
while we've had in here. It, the the Facebook uh, live feed is really strange. It uh, hello Doug, hello Michelle. Um, it's really strange because it'll say just a couple people watching. There's a lot more people right. on, and so it's it's really weird. Um, so last night, Doug and I were um, in Corvallis. Doug is is uh, working on our social media side. Great volunteer. Uh-huh. He's a, he's an Army vet. Young man, 32 years old. Welcome to the team, Doug. So excited to have him. And um, anyway, so uh, the event that that I went to and that that Doug joined me at was uh, the League of Women Voters. Now, the League of Women Voters, they claim that they are um, uh, nonpartisan, but their issues, one of them that they stand for is uh universal health care for all so that's that's one of their one of their issues uh, but there is a gentleman who came up to the table now the other part of this um, event they had a candidate fair and so there were four republican candidates in, in addition to myself mark callahan was there and then um david i don't remember his last name because it's an s he's running for governor he was at the forum, uh, the Benton County Republican Party, uh, Republican Women's Forum Monday night. And Jeff Smith is also one of the Republican. Um, thank you, Doug. One of the uh, the happy, uh, happy one of the one of the, uh, the Republican candidates, and he was there. So there's just the four Republicans, but they also um, were having a, a candidate forum for the uh, Benton County commissioners. Well, they were all Democrats, so there were people there to to come to the forum because they wanted to hear from the candidates so they would know who to vote for. Right. And then there were, there were a few other um, Democrat candidates that were there. Um, so, and, and Doug, so we had Doug and so there are five, five Republicans in the room that I'm aware of. I don't think there were any other Republicans at all, which was interesting, but that's okay. I like to hear other people's views. It's a good thing. So this one gentleman, his name is Greg. We'll call him Mr. P because he's told me he's a progressive. So we shall refer to Greg as Mr. P, and I wrote about it last night. <laughs> but he goes, well, I'm a progressive, so I, I don't think that, that we're going to find anything to agree on. And so I said, well, well Greg, let me, let me ask you a question. What What is your take on term limits? Thank you very much, Michelle, for the question. My take on term limits. Several years ago, if you had asked me about term limits, I would have said we have them. It's called vote them out. That was several years ago. It is clear that we need to get a constitutional amendment on the U.S. Constitution to institute term limits. And I believe 12 years is more than enough time. And that's combined with the House and the Senate. So you could not go do two terms in the Senate, which is 12 years, and then go, okay, I'm going to become a U.S. rep. Sorry, it doesn't work that way because you just maxed out at 12 years. And somebody asked me, well, what about eight years? Well, I would say eight years if the term of the Senate was four years. And so two terms for the for the Senate. At the House level, those are two-year terms. So you could serve six terms. You could serve three terms in the House of Representatives and serve one term in the Senate. If you are appointed, Robin, here's a math question for you. Okay. I am appointed as a representative. How many terms can I serve in addition to my appointment? How many terms? That I don't know. Five. Five. That's 10 years. 
because if I did six, that would be 12 years plus the number of months that I was appointed before gotcha. I got elected. Okay? Yeah. So that means I could not serve six full terms plus the appointment. I could serve 10 full terms plus the months of the appointment. And then I won the election. Pretty sneaky, huh? Yeah. But it's the way it should be. This was never meant to be a career at all. In fact, in the Article of Confederation, it said for the representatives that they served one out of three years. So they could only serve one year, and they had to go away for two years. And then they could run again and be elected for another one-year term. And so here we have two-year terms, which I'm going to presume, because I've not read all of the uh, founding fathers' documentation on this, but they presume that you would not be there for, oh, gosh, I don't know the incumbent that I'm going to defeat. He just started his 32nd year. Oh, my gosh. Well, the other thing that, and this gets me, is that how many people do you know in D.C. that are not millionaires that are a representative of some sort? Trey Galvey. I, like, I know one. I like Trey. And, and Trey's retiring? Yeah new phase of his life, which is, which is fine. And um, so then the quit. sorry, people on the radio, I paused because my Facebook went offline for a second. Um, the question is, how did they become millionaires? Right. If they weren't already millionaires when they got there. Um, John, I'll, I'll answer your question in just a moment. Um, it's because they knew of the bills that they were going to be passing that were going to benefit certain industry. And so they would buy those stocks. This is insider trading to at the top level, friends. Um, they would buy stock in those companies or buy mutual funds that were buying stock in those companies. And they benefited because they knew that they were going to pass a bill or to be, that was going to be in the favor of a certain um, industry. I used to be a financial advisor. I had Six different investment licenses, a six, a seven, a 63, a 57. I could do stocks, bonds, mutual funds, fixed and variable annuities. I had my insurance licensing. If I were to say to Robin, hey, by the way, the XYZ Corporation, they're getting ready to have their initial public offering. And the person standing next to or five feet away hears that conversation. And they go out and they buy that stock in XYZ. Orange is the new black. <laughs> I can go to prison, or I could have, because I was licensed. Just like Martha Stewart. Just like well, she went to jail for lying, but same thing, right? Right. But yet, our elected representatives, they uh, could buy this stock, and um, that was wrong. Now, there was a rule that was passed a few years ago, right. um, but it's not a law. It's a rule, and um, so they could violate it, and, and it's wrong. And so that's how so many of them have become millionaires is by uh, doing what they shouldn't be doing. People want to know, oh, gosh, Joe Ray, you're going to become a millionaire when you leave. The only money that I'm going to have is the money that I save from my salary. That's it. I, you, know, or, you know, and if I invest, it's going to be um, well, you kind of something, have to, that, something that I'm not going to be voting on. But You kind of have to ask yourself the question is, like the president president now gets about 450000 a year. Yes. And so outside of the benefits, if, if the representative gets, uh, you know, 450 or a little bit less, 
Representatives get 174. 174. Then you got to ask yourself, how did they get the rest of the money? Where does it come from? Because you think also the gift tax or gift rules, as you can only gift. I mean, like in private business, you can only gift what twenty five dollars at most, um, if even that. Most of businesses now it's fifty dollars. Fifty dollars. You, you can get you can receive a gift of fifty dollars from somebody. Right. If 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 that if the company excuse me, I'm in here. If sorry, I wouldn't look something up and I don't have it. <laughs> if the um, if the company um, allows it, not all companies will allow that. Right. Um, to receive the gift, so. So if somebody's becoming millionaire with that, sometimes you got to just kind of ask if it's up, if it's oh, above board. Yep. Is it is it above board? Yeah. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Wesley. Okay, so John is asking a question. What is your stance on recreational mining that the state is pretty much shut down? And um, John, I th I think you was it you that sent me that question the other day. Um, so my first question is. Is the state shutting down the mining because of a mandate from the federal government? So that's question number one. And if that is the case, then the federal government needs to back off because it's not their jurisdiction. I don't care if it's in federal lands because that's unconstitutional unless they have legally purchased that land by the consent of the legislature. And it is for ports, forts, and other needful buildings and arsenals. Last time that I drove through the Cyrus Law National Forest or the Willamette National Forest, I did not notice any ports. Oh, wait a minute. They're not on the coast. I did not notice any forts. I did not notice any needful buildings. I did not notice any stockpiling of arsenals. So uh, pretty much makes that unconstitutional. But if the federal government, probably through the DEQ or the EPA, is mandating that, no, you cannot do this mining um, because it's going to, uh, we'll presume that your gold mining in the river uh, caused some turbidity and that's not good for the fishies, then um, that's not their job. That's up to the state to do that. And so now we're going to presume that it's not the environmentalists and the DEQ and the EPA telling people, telling the state that they need to stop this. Now we have a state issue. And that's where we've got to get some constitutional Republicans elected in the state of Oregon, along with a Republican governor. It is crucial. And then that way we can go to these representatives and say, look, this is what it's, what it's there for. The big problem that we have is that the um, elected officials have allowed the lobbyists to run the show. That's like I'm handing the keys to the, to the, uh, to the wolf, to the, to the hen house. So why would I give the wolf or some other critter <laughs> the keys to the hen house? See, that, that doesn't make sense. But that's really what, what has gone on here is the environmental groups, they, um, they're stopping. And then the other thing I know, John, is that the, that the fee, uh, the permit to go up has gone up um, substantially. It was $25. And then I believe that it went up to $350. Please correct me if I'm wrong because I am doing this from memory. And then that is if you had a permit the year before. If you did not have a permit before, it is $500. And, again, this is purely from memory. So um, I always accept correction when I misstate facts. And so I am not for it. I am against it. I believe that, that the people that are doing this recreational mining, they, they care about our environment. They want to make sure that it's there for the people that follow behind them. They take their trash 
out that they brought in. They aren't leaving the rubbish behind, um, and they're and they're making sure that it's that it's at least as clean or cleaner than when they when they got there. And um, and so I I think that we've got a bunch of people creating fear, and and making claims that are just totally unrealistic. And so um, John, if I if I were running for a state rep or state senate seat. I would be 100% for the miners, and from the federal level, I'm still 100% for for the miners. All right, you want another toughie? All righty. All righty. I better take a little bit of coffee. All right, look at that lethal weapon she's got there. Yes. yes. Looks like something that could be dropped out of an airplane and blown something. <laughs> and it does say the dream is real. Yeah, that's true. Okay, um, a little tough question here is that. Whether you're a fan of Donald Trump or not, he went in there as a non-politician and went against the grain, which stirred the pot or the swamp, per se. Uh, Joe Ray, I think you have the same morals as, that, as Donald Trump does, that you're going to go, you kind of, in a sense, are going to be the outsider inside. Yes. And so how, we, how do you feel about that? I'm excited about it. it we, we need to uh, upset the apple cart. And uh, President Trump, he, need, he needs a few, more than a few, but he needs a bunch of uh, representatives and senators in Washington, D.C. that get it, that understand what their job is. It is written clearly in the Constitution. Right. And that's what I was looking for a few minutes ago, but I left it sitting on the seat of my car by mistake. So, because um, I, I did want to look up something while we were talking. Yes. But anyway, um, they have gotten so entrenched and so ingrained in Washington, D.C. And when the FISA memo was being released, if you guys think back those couple of months ago, what was it that the Democrats were saying? We don't want our secrets let out, okay? They did not want to be found out that, you know what, they had their hand in the cookie jar. They are guilty of sin. And so they so they come on come on back hey welcome back so they <laughs> so so they they didn't want that to be known they didn't want to be found out of how how crooked they are and what they were really doing and the lies that that they've been spreading and and we've got because remember they expected Hillary to be elected right and if she was elected then then they would still be able to hide all of their nefarious actions and so i am very much like donald trump there are a few exceptions. I don't have his bank account. <sighs> yeah, I know. Darn. Um, I don't have his name recognition. Um, but I have a very similar attitude. In fact, when Donald Trump did his acceptance speech in July of 2016 in Cleveland at the uh, convention, at the RNC convention, I looked at George. We're sitting in our living room in Albany. Come back. And... Uh, and I said, who gave Donald Trump my campaign brochure? <laughs> He's reading it. And this is, these are the same issues I've been running on since I started with the U.S. Senate in 2013. Right. So they were the same issues. And he's reading these. And then he starts talking about the Johnson Amendment. Well, the Johnson Amendment is, is not and was not in my brochure, still isn't. Um, I, I kind of ran out of room. But um, – the Johnson Amendment, I'll explain what that is, but then he said, we're going to do away with the Johnson Amendment. But I was out campaigning saying, and I will write a bill to do away with the Johnson Amendment. Now, for those of you that do not know what that is, when LBJ, then Senator Lyndon Baines Johnson, was running for re-election in Texas, 
there were pastors in many churches around the state telling their parishioners, do not vote for this man, he is evil. Huh. So uh, he goes back to D.C. and says, we need to put something in a bill to stop this from happening because these preachers are telling their people, don't vote for me because I'm evil. So it became known as the Johnson Amendment. And what it did is it said any 501c3 corporation, which the majority of churches are 501c3s, and then there's some other nonprofit organizations as well that are 501c3s. If they promote a political candidate or they denigrate a political candidate, they could lose their tax-exempt status. Right. Okay? Well, what ended up happening is it went from the churches telling people um, not to vote for certain candidates to they didn't even talk about the moral issues of the day and explain to them why these are bad because it, it, it got like uh, devolved. It just got worse to where then it was that, that total separation of church and state. Don't, don't mix politics and religion. And um, uh, so anyway, the Johnson amendment is a violation of both the, uh, for, of the, uh, the first amendment in two places, freedom of speech and freedom of religion. And so, um, that's the Johnson Amendment. So that's what President Trump was talking about. And I'm sitting in my living room just shocked, going, really? So that's how aligned I am with, with President Trump, is we've got to secure our borders. We need a strong military. We need to make sure that our veterans are taken care of. And I'm going to come back to that issue in a moment. We need a balanced budget amendment with no new taxes. The incumbent right. wants a balanced budget amendment and is on his website, but he wants, well, he's silent on it. I did read it. He does not state, but I have heard through the political grapevines that he would do it with taxes. No new taxes for a balanced budget amendment. And um, um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm running through my... She's got it right here. I have it right here. All righty. I know I should have all this stuff memorized, but every now and then. Okay. Oh, the federal lands, which I which I talked about. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17 of the U.S. Constitution. Um, so that's there. Foreign policy, stand by our ally, allies, especially Israel, and move the embassy to Jerusalem. It is in my campaign brochure. It's been in my campaign brochure since 2013. And what is happening? President Trump is moving the embassy to Jerusalem. And the building is already built, which is awesome. It was already built. They mm -hmm. just finished it. All right. It was for the consulate. But they're doing a little bit of retrofitting for the embassy. Gun rights and gun ownership. I support the Second Amendment as it's written, and I'm going to come back to that in a moment. The national debt. It is time that we stop wasting money. And that ties in with the balanced budget amendment, and it ties in with the role of, of, uh, of government. Of the, of the federal government with the Constitution. And, and I use this example, and it's probably not in there, but it's pretty darn similar to a bunch of stuff that's in there. It is not the job of the federal government to fund some organization to study the mating habits of the tsetse fly. Sorry, it's not in there. Please show what? me where that is in there, whether it's the tsetse fly or the spotted leopard. It's not in there. That is not our job. Private industry, yes. Please study those if you're looking for a cure to something um, or 
for some other reason you're you're wanting to to study some of these things um, or if schools want to do that then ask your benefactors to pay for that stuff pro-life i am 100 percent pro-life and i am endorsed by oregon right to life mm-hmm. and i'm going to circle back to gun rights and ownership oregon firearms federation i have the highest rating for a non-incumbent which is b plus and i am the only candidate of the five running for this seat that has the B-plus rating from Oregon Firearms Federation and the endorsement from Oregon Right to Life. Pretty good. I'm pretty happy about that. Um, Term limits we talked about and veterans. Uh, Now, on the veterans issue, make permanent real changes that benefit our veterans. Fully covered medical care from the medical practitioner or medical provider of their choice. And I know that they've got veterans' choice. But for those of you who don't understand how it works, and this is what veterans have told me, is they call a phone number, some toll-free number somewhere in the Midwest, from what I understand, and those um, operators get their information. And uh, I talked to one veteran. He said, yeah, they said they would get back to me in 10 days. Not 10 minutes. In 10 days. He said, that's if you're lucky. Yeah. And then they schedule an appointment for you, and it might not even be convenient to where you are because they don't know that unless they're looking at a Google map or some other online map. Um, and so for some of the veterans, that was frustrating. Well, this is my frustration. I could pick up the phone right now and call my doctor's office. And unless um, the assistant is, is helping another patient, in a matter of minutes, I have an appointment scheduled. Now, it might be a month out. But I've got an appointment scheduled. Now, of course, if it's an emergency, they're going to get me in right away. But the fact that these veterans have to wait for days and days and days to even get the phone call back before they can even schedule their appointment is ridiculous. They should be able to pick up the phone, call the local care provider, whether it's Peace Health here in the Eugene Springfield area or it's Samaritan Health Services up in the Albany Corvallis area um, or wherever it is that the veterans live, they should be able to pick up the phone. If they want to go to the veterans administration, to the veterans uh, hospitals, the veterans doctors, absolutely acceptable. 100%. They should be able to do that. I agree. And, and, and also, the, we, the, the payment to those non-VA doctors should be the same type of payment that they would receive from any other insurance provider. None of this 30, per, 30 cents on the dollar stuff that they get from Medicaid and Medicare. Yeah, in my opinion, if anybody gets, I don't, I don't know if special treatment is the correct way of saying it, but anybody in any capacity that volunteers to go into the service. Or were drafted. Or were drafted. Um, should get special treatment as us saying, as citizens saying, thank you. Absolutely. Absolutely, because they, they are putting their lives on the line. And, and I think that that is, that is absolutely vital to do. And so um, I have been a proponent of that for, for quite a while, um, long before we even heard about so much of this veteran stuff that was going on. Um, oh, we lost your file kind of stuff. Right. Um, I want to circle back up a little bit to, to the gun rights and ownership. Um, many of you know that there is a petition initiative out there, number 43, I do not remember what the title is that the Attorney General's office gave. Basically, it is to uh, require that any semi-automatic firearms be registered, 
with the state of Oregon in some capacity. And then you have to prove that you got rid of it. How do you do that? I don't know. You either turn it into them or prove that you took it across state lines and, and sold it or gave it to somebody. Oh, and if you have a magazine that has more than 10 rounds in it, you have to register those or, or declare that you own them. Um, so here's here's the deal on that. And then I'm going to explain what I've got to do with what's going on because it's actually exciting. Um, they just got their ballot title. Just got it. They are now in a 10 business day window, which just started, I think, on Monday. And people have to can submit comments to the attorney general's office. And those comments um, are supposed to state constitutional reasons why this title, I don't know why I keep fading in and out, why this title is not um, valid and why this bill is not good. After that 10 days, the attorney general's office reviews, has five days in to, if I'm, and again, from memory, it's all online on the Secretary of State's uh, website here in Oregon. Then they have time, the uh, attorney general's office then has um, so much time to review those arguments. And then after the attorney general's office is satisfied with um, the written comment that they received, then it goes back over to the elections division of the secretary of state's office. And then they issue the petition, the formal petition to get the, um, start gathering the signatures. Now they are doing a statutory amendment. They need to get 88,174 signatures validated. Well, let's presume a 20% error rate um, for people that aren't registered to vote and sign it or moved and didn't update their address. Um, those signatures would be invalidated. So they would have to turn in um, I think my math was about 117,000 signatures and it all has to be done by July the 6th, they have to get over 2,500 signatures a day. So please don't be stressing out because the likelihood of them getting 2,500 signatures a day is pretty slim. Now, a few weeks ago, there was a meeting down here that Derek LeBlanc put on. And after the meeting, I was on Facebook on one of the pages and was reading some of the comments. And I said, then we need a counterattack. We need to counterattack IP43. So I wrote up an idea that I had, and people were going, where's the petition so I can sign it? Then I sent that information off. I started working on the petition paperwork and went, well, I better send this off to somebody that has a lot more information on how to do this than I do, which I have done. So I sent that off to, to a trusted um, friend of mine and <clears throat> told him what I did. <clears throat> Excuse me. He has sent it off to an attorney. I just got word from him today. Well, he told me the other day that they were having a, uh, their final meeting yesterday. And then I sent him an email and I just got word from him today that um, I, I knew that they were going to be doing a constitutional amendment. But it is going to be even stronger than, and my verbiage was pretty darn strong, is going to be even stronger. And so I'm going to leave you guys with that. But when people want to know where does Joe Ray Perkins stand on gun rights, I'm the only candidate who wrote, who wrote a, um, an idea for a ballot initiative for here in Oregon to make sure that your ownership of whether it's a semi-automatic, 
or it's a magazine with 30 rounds in it or anything else that they're trying to strip away from us are are solid and kept. And uh, there's no other candidate that did that. So it's it's pretty pretty amazing. Yeah, um, I, he, I was blown away that I did that, but that's just who I am. I step up to the plate. And the other danger is, is how did Hitler get into power? Yeah, so before Hitler came into power, um, they had already had some gun laws in place. And then what ended up happening is that only um, the police and the military could have the guns and a few select citizens unless you were Jewish. Exactly. And so then from that, um, well, we all know what happened after that. Well, and England also has some pretty strict gun laws. Now I guess they're going to restrict knives because it just isn't working. Yeah, because they're now stabbing people. Somebody that, that is, and they're using vehicles, somebody that is bent on causing death and destruction and mayhem, they're going to find something. It's not the inanimate object. We all know. You guys know that I'm preaching to the choir. Uh, but I but I have an idea that I'm going to share with you guys in a moment. So question has come across. What about teachers with guns in schools? Why do we have gun-free zones? You know, that's like saying, hello, the bank door is open. It's unlocked. Nobody's here. Come on in, walk in the vault and walk out with the money, only worse, because they're the these people again that are that are bent on causing mayhem are are killing people and we know that and, and we we don't want to see that and which is this gonna tie in a little bit to what I want to say next. But um I don't have a problem with teachers with guns. I believe that they need to be one hundred percent fully vetted. Um my one of my grandsons going, I don't want to have some of my teachers, I don't want them to have guns because they're burned out they're fried they're mentally fried right and so they, they would need to be just thoroughly vetted make sure that they are emotionally stable enough to have a gun and i have another friend whose mother was a teacher and she said to me i wouldn't want my mother to have a gun so um so this would be for those who want to have it have a firearm and that are well vetted and trained and okay. go through regular um uh, refresher courses, etc. Go out on the on the field and and do some some target practice. And the exercise that uh, the police go through, in a sense, yes. for handling an active shooter situation. Correct, correct. And and I think that's important, and that's going to stop some of it. In the meantime, what do we do about about the the people that are concerned about guns? Well, this is so the the bill that I wrote is actually or that I propose that is most likely very nicely refined, which I'm looking forward to seeing. Um, that's phase two, phase one. What are we going to do in the in the interim? What I'd love to do is get together about 30, maybe 50 people from around the state and do mm -hmm. some persuasion training and bring in an, an expert, but if we need to. Uh, but this is this is the scenario that that I envision is talking to now. Remember the bill that um, the people behind the bill, not the people at the top, but the people on the ground, it's Mothers Against, Mothers Against, I don't remember something, but it's Mothers. That's the whole point. When those of us who are more conservative talk to those who are more liberal, we need to remember most of us start with a logical thought. Our friends on the other side 
start with their emotions first. So their emotions lead a lot of what they do. And sometimes logic will come into play. If we continue to um, approach the liberals with logic, we might as well just walk into a brick wall because we're going to get nowhere. That, that's, that has been absolutely proven. So that means they're not going to come our way. We need to go their way with using emotions. Okay? And this is so simple. Okay, so Robin, yes, you get to do a little role playing with me, if you will. Okay. Alrighty. You are one of the people who thinks that guns are bad, especially semi-automatics, because okay. you call them assault rifles because you don't know any better, right? Right. Okay. Exactly. So Robin, I'm gonna ask you a question here. You want to see the? And a phone call comes in on live radio, live everybody. Radio. My hubby doesn't realize that I'm on the radio. Yes, broadcasting live broadcasting to the world. Live, yeah. And speaking of with that short interruption, by the way, I don't, I don't know if people on the Facebook page can hear, um, but give us a call, 646-721-9887. Jerry, you might want to repeat that on your Facebook page over here. And Whoops. you can contact us right now and talk to Joe Ray live. That number is six four six seven two one nine eight eight seven, and on Facebook Live you can type a message. And if somebody knows my husband George, uh, send him a message and tell him I'm on the radio in Springfield. That's right. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, Robin. Yes. What are you afraid of? Why do you want to have these guns taken away? Um, because I don't understand them. I don't. I don't like guns. Um, I think that only criminals have guns, and that people. Uh, guns should be regulated and in, then taken away. That way everybody will be safe and live happily ever after. Okay. And are you concerned about, about the children and, and, you know, I have children and grandchildren that I presume you want them to be able to go to school and come home safely. Correct? Absolutely, yes. Okay. I agree with you Yes. on that point that, you know, I want my grandchildren. I've got 14 grandkids. I want to know that when they go to school that something is not going to happen such as happened down in Florida. So absolutely. I want them to come home safe. Right. Okay. We agree on that. Isn't that isn't that amazing? That's amazing. Yeah. So, but let me let me ask you this, Robin. Instead okay. of them using guns, what if they use knives instead? Well, then we got to take the knives away too. Okay, but okay, but I want you to think about this. Yeah. When you go home and you open up that drawer where you keep your knives, right? Are you going to say, "Oh my gosh, I got to get rid of these knives because these knives could jump out of the drawer and start stabbing me"? Yeah. Okay. Now, that's dumb, isn't it? Because you, you, you're you not going to think that. No. Right? Because what what do you use your knives for? Uh, cutting food. Cutting food, right? Right. So they're, they're, they're handy implements, but they're an inanimate object, right? Right. The, the knives cannot do anything without me or right. you holding them, right? Okay. Neither can the gun. Exactly. So the gun can't, the gun is an inanimate object. So that gun is not going to jump into my hand. And start firing or firing on its own because it has to have a person operating it. Now, I understand that you want to keep the children safe, right? You, right. Want, to, you want to feel safe. Well, here's, here's the question. Just the, the other day in, in Toronto, I think it was, there was somebody that got into a van and ran down some people. So we've got these guns that people are calling assault weapons. Right. Okay. Then we have people using knives. Does that make knives assault knives? Or is it still a steak knife? That's a good comparison. Okay. 
And then we've got a van. Now, is it a van or is it an assault vehicle? If it's used as an assault vehicle, then it's an assault vehicle. It's but an assault vehicle. But it's a van. But it's a van. Right. And the only way that van becomes an assault vehicle is how? The person behind the wheel. The person behind the wheel. Right. right? The first murder weapon when Cain killed Abel was a rock. Yeah. Rocks were not outlawed, were they? No. No. Have we outlawed vehicles? No. No. Have we outlawed in this country knives? No. No. Would you think that that's a crazy thing? Yes. Okay. So the problem is not the rock, the van, the knives, or the guns. It's the person. Exactly. If you follow that analogy, we should outlaw all vehicles because look how many people die each year because of vehicles. More than that die than died by, by gunfire. But that's logic, right? That's true. Remember, we're talking to somebody. Hey, Mary, we're talking to somebody that is not logical. But now, see, I just sprinkled logic in on top of them. And at about this point, their eyes start spinning through their heads because they're, because they're, they're getting it. And remember, they, they think with emotion. I'm going to come back to that emotion because, see, Robin, there is an emotional and or a mental health issue that we're dealing with. Wouldn't you rather see the people that are in this in crisis that are going in and, and causing this mayhem and shooting people, innocent people, wouldn't you rather see them treated properly so they get the medical help and care that they need? Absolutely. Does that make more sense to you? Yes. And taking the money instead of going out here gathering up all of these guns and arresting people and throwing law-abiding citizens into jail for exercising what they legally can exercise, would you agree with me that it's going to make more sense to let's take the money and spend it on making sure that we're getting the people that need the help the help? I totally agree. In fact, let me, let me one-up you. Okay, yay. What is one of the reasons why other countries are afraid to attack us? Because of our military strength. Our military, our military strength and nobody, including our own governments, knows how many weapons there are out there. Yep, yep, that's true. Uh, yeah, the estimate is 300. Did I read this a couple of weeks ago? 300 million ARs or something? I don't know. Something like that. It was, it was a lot. Okay, so for those people that are on the blog talk radio, AR does not stand for assault rifle. It stands for Arma Light rifle, which is a brand of a rifle. So um, that does not stand for assault. Like making a Xerox copy. Exactly. Um, not all copy machines are Xerox. That's a brand name. Right. And AR is a brand name. And so, um, but I think that, that that is stage one. And I think that we can train people. Those people go out and they train other people. And we just ha start having this real conversation instead of attacking with, but it's my Second Amendment right. It's my rights underneath the Oregon Constitution. That is true but they don't understand that. All they know is that they are afraid that their children and grandchildren are going to get shot or their, or their wives and their kids when they're at the shopping mall, um, that somebody's going to go in there and start shooting them or, or, um, or is a police officer sitting at the Waffle House on a break. Exactly. And so it's not you guys on, on my Facebook page. I know that you guys know this. Those of you listening here on the KRBN Blog Talk Radio, we have a crisis, and that is that we have, in many of the states, and I know for sure Oregon, they years ago decided to start releasing from the mental health hospitals a lot of people, and they said, well, the families can just take, take care of them. Well, the families were not equipped to take care of them. And so we have a huge population of people um, that are 
that are on the streets that um, that need help. Um, they need to be taken care of. They've they, they've become part of the the homeless population. Um, there there are so many things that are tied to this, and so we need to address those issues. And again, it's not the inanimate object. Exactly. It's always the person. And there becomes a point where it goes a little bit too far. An example would be. Um, five sharpshooter military people went into a military base where they had to surrender their guns to be on the base, and there was an active shooter, and all five died where they could have easily have defended themselves. Mm-hmm. That happened underneath President Clinton. President Bush not uh, revoked that executive order, neither did, Obama, neither did Obama. And I will have to see if President Trump has revoked that ridiculous executive order. And uh, so if somebody wants to do some research for me, um, all the executive orders that President Trump has signed are on the website, the White House website. So please do some research for me, help me out, because I don't have time to do everything. But please take a look at that and and, and let me know. Send me a, a message on uh, Facebook. Send me a Facebook message. Um, that way I know. Or if you can see it right now in the next few minutes, post it right here. Okay. Do you want to get into any any more? Uh... Oh boy, I think I think we've we've. Uh, pretty well covered most of this um immigration build the wall how do you feel build about the wall how do you feel about daca daca so i put on my website on the issues page i wrote a paper someone called a white paper and these are my views on what we should do okay you cannot hold children legally responsible for the acts of their parents Okay. For many of these now adults, the United States is their home. Right. This is where they identify. They identify as being Americans. What I would like to see is we put into place a immigration program. Once we pass this law that I'm proposing, they would have I think on my paper I put 60 days, but we can go out to 90 days. I would not go out a long time, and I think 60 is plenty of time, days to declare their intent to become a U.S. citizen. Okay? Mm-hmm. Then they have six years to get it done. Now, in that time frame, while they are working on becoming U.S. citizens, they could – can't do that on my phone because I will lose you, but we'll do it for you. Thank you, Mary. Um in that time frame, they do not get any federal assistance, no HUD, no food stamps, no federal student loans, none mm-hmm. of that. Right. Now, at the state level, if, if, if at the state level they want to do that or there's an organization, a nonprofit or some other group that wants to help, help them out, that's up to them, but not, no federal dollars. Then I would also want to have set up um, – where they could start making payments towards their um, fee of becoming a U.S. citizen, which is $725 right now. And that would be irrevocable, by the way, so they start making these payments, and that way that $725 is locked in. And so if if it goes up, then um, it would be locked in for them. If something happens and they get deported, we do not give them back their money. Okay. Now, they also cannot have any criminal history other than they were brought here as undocumented, as illegal by their parents, but again, they were minor children. 
if they have not completed their citizenship by the end of the sixth year, with the exception of military service and joining the military, they do not get automatic citizenship. Okay? Okay. They still have to go through this process. Or, you know, so they're actively deployed. They cannot get to their complete their citizenship um, requirements. Or they are so ill, there is absolutely no way. So we're going to be talking. You can be tough but merciful. Exactly. Yes. This gives them an opportunity to come out of the shadows. They would get a special um, work visa. They would get a special taxpayer identification number that would identify. So we right. so we know. Okay. So that's that group of people. Well, now we've got their parents that came here. And in the paper, what I put down is the parents would have to self-deport. And I'm going to cover that, what that would mean here in a minute, in a moment. They would have to self-deport. And oh, 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 wait, before I move on, if any of the young adults, DACA, the DACA children, they are now young adults, if they have a child, that child is not automatically a U.S. citizen. Okay? And anybody that came here illegally is not that child is not an, unless you're unless the father and the mother are both US citizens that child is not a US citizen. Right. And so we would need to make sure the 14th amendment is very very clear and cleaned up. Um okay, so now the parents. Parents are here uh they would have two choices. If they still have minor children at home, they have the choice to self-deport with their minor children and I believe in the paper I put they could leave their minor children here. If there was um, uh, proof that there was somebody reliable that the children could be with, in order to return to the country, they would have to prove that they have six months of living expenses set aside, and/or they have a job. They have to be sponsored, in other words. So they've got to be able to prove, and that six months living expenses is for the area that they're planning to live in. So another another phone call. Boy, my. Uh, my battery is going to go dead here, guys. Let's see if I've got any juice on here. Yes, I do. There we go. Hopefully, I'm going to charge up here. Okay. Um, so, they have to reapply to come back in. Same deal. They get their readmittance. They have that same 60 days, 60, 90 days to say, yes, I'm going to become a U.S. citizen. They don't get any benefits. Exact same deal as, as their adult children. There's no difference. Now, if they choose to not self-deport and they have minor children, after they go through a vetting process, we can let them stay, but their minor children can never become U.S. citizens. In my opinion, I think that also if they decide to stay, that they should work towards some of the ICE requirements or immigration requirements of learning English if they're capable of doing so. Correct, correct. And so it's all on my website. You can go to perkinsforusrep.com and read the white paper. And there's actually a place that you can comment. And so please send me your comments. Again, this is... So much of this stuff is, is, is a work in progress where you write down your thoughts, you've got this idea, and there's a way to make it better. Um, for those that have not looked at the immigration page, go look at it. Your head will probably start spinning, as, even if you're logical like me and analytical. It is, it is the stupidest thing in the world. People should not have to hire an attorney to get through all the paperwork to come here. Um, thank you very much, Mary. Um, and so I think that's really... Um, an important thing is, is we need to simplify it, which then takes us to the bills. Exactly. And I want to end with this because I'm going to lose my voice here pretty soon. And if you've got any more questions, you can call in at 646 
877-212-1987. So you can, on Facebook, post a question on the radio, call in. And write that down, too, for when Joe Ray's on next time. And we'll talk about her schedule towards the end of the program here. And don't be afraid. Give her a call. She's a, she's a nice person with a, with a singing voice. talking about i'm sorry that yeah, we were just, just okay yeah we're talking that. about immigration then we were getting into doing uh get, getting into bills oh the bill thank you thank yes. you very much yes Alrighty. the bill it's in my brochure it is on my website perkins for us prior to voting my team and i do you have any reams of paper hanging around here i do wonderful i would like a couple Whatever you got handy, two, three, maybe four, whatever's handy. Oh, here's a little bit of paper. All right. Fresh from the printer. Fresh from the printer. You have a pen. Oh, I don't need a pen. Okay. Really wanted four whole reams of paper. That's 2,000 sheets of paper. Right. Okay. Well, in that case, I only have half a ream. It only has a half a ream. Okay. It's up there somewhere. This is about 50 pages already. That's about. 2,000 sheets of paper, okay? The omnibus bill was over 2,000 sheets of paper. They were giving it to them after midnight. They were going to vote at 8 o'clock in the morning. I would have been an automatic no. And I thought that... Uh, and Obamacare was the same thing. Exactly. Right? I thought that they had... It has to go through a process. And, I mean, I don't want to take too much away from Joe Ray, but going back to Obamacare real quick, as she said, it's thrown out there. People were saying it's 2,000 pages. They don't have time to read it. It takes two days and two lawyers, to, to quote John Converse, that, that should, there should be a process before any bill is, that goes through that there has to be a minimum time, my opinion, to read it. To read it. Well, it shouldn't be that complicated anyway, and I'd like to know who these two lawyers are that can read 2,000 pages in two days. Exactly, and the fact that it's irresponsible to vote for it if you haven't read it. You don't know what's in it. So my team and I, prior to me voting, will read every bill to ensure each bill passes my three-way test. If the bill passes, excuse me, fails any part of the test, it's an automatic no. Okay? Right. Now, how far do we need to read the bill? We read the bill until it hits one of these stopping points. And the stopping points are, is the bill aligned with the original intent of the U.S. Constitution, the amendments, the Bill of Rights? Okay? has to be constitutional. Right. If the staff is reading, and they'll each have a section to read of the bill, so we could get through 2,000 pages in a couple of days because it's going to be split up. Um, if any of the staff hits that stopping point, it's like stop, research, verify, aha, doesn't meet with it. Okay, so then we're going to propose an amendment to the bill to get that fixed, or it's going to be a no vote. Number two, is it a single-issue bill, free of that pork barrel spending, you know, the meeting the CC fly, right. or spending on unrelated issues? No more of this Johnson Amendment stuff where we're going to stick something on the back end of it and slip it in. If that bill cannot stand on its own merit, then that bill should not be passed. It's that simple. And again, if that bill is not within the purview of the U.S. Congress, it shouldn't pass anyway. It has to be a no vote. The third, is the bill aligned with conservative fiscal and social values? 
that is my three-part test. If a bill fails any one of those tests whatsoever, it is going to be an automatic no vote. So basically, you won't get anything passed. I'm going to push to get back to what the role of Congress right, is. Exactly. So um, am I somewhat like President Trump in that manner? Because, yeah, let's do it the right way. But one of the things that people forget is the way that um, our founding fathers set up our government. It was to be slow and deliberate. It right. was not supposed to be running at warp speed. Hello, Scott. But it's interesting because President Trump runs at warp speed. And, and he's making their heads spin back there because they've never seen a president work as much as, as he does. And so that's kind of a breath of fresh air. But the things that he's doing um, are good things. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of executive orders um, because I, I'm, I'm concerned of, and they have been abused in the past, but a president sometimes has to go to those executive orders because things need to be done and the Congress is not doing their job and they're throwing up. Um, brick walls, and um, so we need to. Um, sorry, somebody just sent me a message. And I was looking to see if it was something I needed to see here. So, oh my gosh, where'd you guys go? Come back. There you are. Um, anyway, sorry. Technology. Technology. Yeah, it just popped up on my screen there. Um, so that's my promise with the bills, and I'm going to stick to that promise because I, I think it's important. Have you heard about the environmentalist one? Yes, I, I have. And there was actually, um, Mary, so Mary Tucker asked on Facebook, have you heard about the environmentalists wanting to remove our Snake River dams for the salmon? Yes, I have. And there, there was a bill that has been written by, um, by a representative from Washington, and I believe the other one is from Idaho. And so there's now a bill written, and... Um, they're not it's going to stop that from happening from them tearing out the dam because they want to continue doing the research and in the bill it said uh, to continue and make sure for another until 2022 uh, to make sure that they have checked all of these issues going on um, because the environmentalists are concerned about the depletion of the wild salmon runs and um, so here here's the thing is uh The fishermen, the people that, that, that fish for a living, they're not going to fish the ocean to to where we don't have salmon anymore or or um, flounder or whatever other fish out there. Sorry, guys, I don't eat fish. I don't eat fish and I don't eat pork, okay? So just so you know. So when it comes to fish, I don't know what kind of fish there are that are out there that people eat because it's just not my thing. And I used to eat trout as a kid. Went huh. trout fishing with my dad. I know it's very, very fishy and lots of bones in it. But um, and I and I'm, and I'm not into the swine. I do not eat the swine. The swine. The swine. Swine. I don't eat that either. Anyway, <laughs> um, I digress. This is what happens because I'm getting really tired because I've been driving in the sun earlier today, which is always fun. So I want to wrap it up because again, my my right. voice is going. And um, thank you guys so much for all of the questions. I appreciate it. Hello, Scott Cook. Scott and Linda, great to see you guys out there. Mary, thank you so much for posting that information. Easy to find. Rebecca, thank you, thank you, thank you. Who else we got hanging out there? Stephen Robinson. Gianluca, hello. James, Shelley, David. Thank you, guys. Everybody, I'm not going to scroll through everybody that's there. Thank you, guys, so much. My name is Joe Ray Perkins. 
I am the candidate running for the 4th Congressional District for the U.S. House of Representatives, and I am the candidate that will defeat and displace DeFazio. He has never met a candidate like me. I guarantee it. So, uh, again, Joe Ray will be back on the program coming up again, and also, uh, uh, where else are you going to be? So, uh, tomorrow night, there I am going to be on, um, on a Twitter Q&A. Uh, Douglas, what is it? Doug Blanchard, if you're still on, post it, please. Um, <laughs> he, and, and I saw him post something about Twitter a little bit ago, I think. Okay, follow on Twitter at Perkins for Oregon. So, um, so Doug, if you're still there, please put that on here, what that organization is called, uh, Red State One at a Time, something like that. So they're doing an, um, a Twitter Q&A, uh -huh. and so that's going to be interesting, and I am going to attempt to live feed that. It'll be interesting because I'm, it's all done by typing, and so um, there'll be some interesting starts and stops while I'm reading, going through the questions and then typing out the answers. So that's going to be an interesting exercise. We'll see how many. <laughs> we're going to see how many levels my brain can work on simultaneously. Sunday, I am going to be in Brookings. I'm going to be at the three first meeting. So I will see all of you guys there. And then there is a meet and greet that Ilona and Raylene have put together um, at 12:30 down in Brookings and. Um, I believe that that is on my Facebook page. If it's not there, it will be there. So if you're down in the southern um, Oregon coastal area, please come to the meet and greet. Please tell those that you know down that I'm going to be down there. I am going to be um, driving uh, out through, oh gosh, I don't even know what the highway is. Is that 99? Anyway, I'm going to be driving out through Cape Junction and dipping into California, coming up into Brookings. Um, on Sunday morning, I've got my first meeting at 4 o'clock in the afternoon in Brookings. And then I will be coming back out through Highway 38. Is that 38? It might not be. Back through Coquille and back up over to the um, I-5 up to Roseburg. So I'll be um, out through the Camas Valley. And so that is what is on the schedule. Um, tomorrow is Friday, the last that I checked. Am I correct? Yes, tomorrow okay, is good, Friday. Good. You know, I know how Gerald, <laughs> how Gerald Ford forgot where he was at. Um, when you're on the go sometimes it's like go 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 and I'm on the calendar in front of me so um, tomorrow I'm going to be out knocking on doors after I cut another radio commercial so I am going to be on several radio stations uh, talk radio some classic rock and roll country and uh, Christian radio stations and so those ads are starting tomorrow and Monday and so I'm excited about that if you want a sign Please get a hold of me. I'm going to be honest. I don't like seeing my my competitors' signs a half a mile from my house. Thank you, Highway 42. That's what I thought after I said 38, um, but I didn't want to make another mistake. So thank you, whoever posted that. Um, it says it's the person down here, so I can see. Thank you, Mary. Go red state by state. Thank you, Douglas. I appreciate that. So that is the Twitter um, feed. Oh, and then on May the 7th, I'm going to be most likely calling in, there is a chance I might drive all the way to Ashland uh, on uh, Jefferson Talk Radio, uh, uh, public access uh, radio, I think it is. And that is um, Monday morning, May the 7th. All right. So a week from this Monday. And in between, oh gosh, there's one more event. Thursday, May the 3rd in Lebanon at 6.30 p.m. The doors will open at 6 o'clock. There is a fourth congressional candidate um, forum. 
the candidates that I know that have confirmed, um, in addition, of course, to me, is uh, um, Stefan Streck, Art Robinson, and Court Voice. And Christine Ruck, who is running for Senate District 6, is the moderator oh, okay. of that event. And that is going to be in Lebanon. I'm pretty sure the address is 139 South Main Street uh, at the Saniam um, Event Center. I wanted to say Saniam Palace, and I knew that wasn't it. <laughs> Saniam Event Center. And again, so that is Thursday, May the 3rd. Everything should be on my website, perkinsforusrep.com. So it all should be on the website. So you can go there, look at the calendar. And uh, I've got a team that is keeping up my uh, my calendar, my agenda. And I want to give a special shout out to some of my team members. You see Doug on there, Douglas Blanchard. He's taking care of the Twitter He's going to be posting Facebook things for me on, on my page, um, making sure that uh, my calendar, he doesn't know that part, I just told him that the calendar is up to date, um, along with my campaign manager, Wendy. Wendy is also working on these things. And then we've got Rebecca. Um, she has uh, been my, uh, my, my, uh, my, right, my, my right-hand lady. As we've gone out and about, she went with me down to Coquille. She um, spoke on my behalf at the Oregon Republican Party in March when George and I were on vacation for our 40th wedding anniversary. Um, Ingrid down here in Springfield has been going door to door with me. And um, there's a lot of other people. Kevin, Kevin's going door to door. So we've got a lot of people, and that's just a few of them. Jeff, he's going to be putting signs out for me. So again, if you want signs, please send me a message. I just placed the last order of signs. 50 of them will be at, yard signs are going to be at my house on, uh, I got to make sure he doesn't send them out tomorrow because I'll pick them up. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to pick up the 50 yard signs. I just realized that because I was thinking this was Wednesday. Hey, Tanner. Um, so if you want a yard sign and you've got a high traffic location and the new yard signs, we fixed the font so it's much bolder. And um, and then I'm only ordering five more uh Larger signs, they're, they're three by four signs. They fit in the back of the Corvette. And so I'm ordering those. And uh, so if you want to sign and you've got a high traffic location, please let me know. Financial donations are greatly appreciated. Uh, we just invested $3,000 in radio ads. And that's a lot of money. I've never spent this kind of money on any of my campaigns before. So this is the most that we've ever invested in the campaign. And... Um, We've had a lot of people step up and help out. They can go to the website, perkinsforusrep.com. Click on the Donate Now button. If all you've got is $5, $5 is awesome. If you're blessed and you and you can give more, give more. If you can't vote for you guys would be shocked how many people from outside the area donate to the campaign because mm-hmm. they believe in me. And, um, and thank you, guys. Your support is monumental, and I cannot express enough how humble I am to have this kind of support. And if people want a copy of today's program, they can go to krbnradio.net. Again, that will forward you on to Blog Talk. You will see the uh, download link, so you can download this episode, copy it, put it on on your website, or just link it straight to. And it is on my Facebook page. Absolutely. And it's on KRBN's page. So, anyways, we're down to the last minute of the program. We appreciate everybody that tuned in. Send your questions to Joe Ray, and uh, we'll address some of them on our next uh, broadcast. And so, make sure that you be checking the calendar to see what's going on out there. Thank you very much. And Trump. All right. And his cabinet. And me.